Hello and welcome to the first episode of this pay-per-view spin-off, Second Opinion. Very excited about this new podcast. The subject for this episode is Society and Brain Hack. Modern society is a thriving cosmopolitan with diverse metropolises, cutting-edge health, news and education, a benign, if greedy, ruling class in a march towards the highest of high-tech, augmenting humanity's capabilities to allow us to achieve new possibilities as a species a sign of the constant effort to improve humankind. However, some people see modern society as a toxin-infested, mind-numbing, health-destroying sprint towards a technocratic dystopia where individual freedoms are relinquished and humans exist at the mercy of a tyrannical government and eventually a malevolent artificial intelligence. Noam Chomsky once said, as long as the general population is passive, apathetic, diverted to consumerism or hatred of the vulnerable, then the powerful can do as they please and those who survive will be left to contemplate the outcome. Here to give a second opinion on the matter is Jason Christoph, a health clinic owner, exercise specialist, self-sabotage coach and health writer. Jason focuses the bulk of his work on educating his clients on healthy living principles and overall life success. Glad you could join me today, Jason. Thank you for having me, Daniel. I really appreciate it. So let's start where these interviews always start at the beginning. How did you become a self-sabotage coach? It was a a longer journey. I basically started off as I graduated from McGill University here in uh, Quebec, Canada. And I opened a fitness club um, right out of university when I was 24 years old. And like many North Americans, I was, I mean, I had this very deep-seated mind virus. I was very self-abusive to myself. I did want to get a job. I did want to be successful. But the motivations behind that were sort of foundationally set in destroying myself, self-abuse, partying, trying to drink a lot of alcohol, do a lot of drugs. So I was very successful initially when I opened my first fitness club in 1994. But with these mind viruses on board, and I didn't know I had those mind viruses at the time, I eventually found out I had them. But because I was successful, I was starting to come into contact with a lot more financial abundance And with these mind viruses of self-abuse and sort of self-hatred and self-sacrifice that will be impregnated into people if they live in this society, sort of without their conscious awareness, it really, I got caught up in it. And with that financial abundance, like many people, I started to literally just sort of proverbially buy bigger guns and load it with bigger bullets and blow my head off in a more drastic way. So from 24 to 29, I was executing sort of my subconscious mind control to destroy myself. And at 29 years old, I experienced a a very severe physical breakdown where I was almost dead at 29 years old. If you can believe that, and I did try to exercise, I thought I was healthy, but of course I wasn't. That's all part of the programming. So I was sort of on my deathbed. And I contacted a very educated lady from what's called the Czech Institute in California, C-H-E-K. It's a holistic healing center. So she came to see me knowing 
that my disease was a symptom of my mental infection. And the mental infection was set into me by the school system, through movies, and through TV shows. And although she was, you can't come out as a healer of that caliber and tell your clients that that is what they suffer from, sort of a impregnated mind virus of self-hatred. She was very gentle with me, sort of like a mother to a child, and got me back to, you know, a very high level of health by using standard principles and sort of defragmenting my mental hard drive and having me question some of the beliefs that I I was holding that were leading to my self-destructive behavior. And I was so impressed with her, I went to the Czech Institute myself and became a, a certified exercise and holistic lifestyle coach. But then when I came back and tried to make people follow through on their diet or their exercise regimes, I found that there was an invisible force And I wasn't very good at dealing with that invisible force. My clients were given the best exercise routines, given the best diet regimes, and there was something they were afraid to be better than the herd. They were terrified to be judged as different. They they didn't seem to be that terrified to be different and less than the herd, but they seemed absolutely mortified to be better you know, different and better. And they just kept taking these fatal swings at themselves with wine and junk food. And if they had two good meals in a row, they could never, they could never put that third good meal uh, in the day. They'd have to go and end up in the cookies or the ice cream. And when you added up all their behaviors at the end of a 24 hour period, it was pure and utter stagnation. And I, just at that point, I started to study mind control, behavior modification, neuroscience. Um, there were different programs. I mean, you can call them MK Ultra. There are various psychological studies on behavior modification that you can get access to that will help explain that behavior that, yes, people are very afraid through psychological manipulation you know, through, again, our TVs and the movies, they're afraid to be their best selves because we have a natural tendency as humans to blend. We want to blend in because it's safer. So there is a natural fear to be afraid of being different. But those fears, those genetic fears, those natural fears to stand up above the crowd they can be accentuated. And my clients, they, they, they really, they paid me thousands of dollars, but they really didn't want anything to do with being richer than the average, being lighter than the average, being more toned than the average. The average was their safe spot. So I started to actually use the same manipulations that made them afraid. And I started to invert those through the, the study of psychology and behavior modification. And then I started to trick them to be afraid to be big or be afraid to be poor yeah. or be afraid to be less abundant. And it started to really spread worldwide, uh, my protocol. And now I have a school, an international school, where I teach self-sabotage coaches 
how to yep. execute these protocols. And we do it on ourselves first and foremost. I mean, one gentleman I was working with last year and who's making one year he made 80,000 the next and then you can do it for health and wealth it's not just for uh wealth wealth is our number one fear but he would be making 70 and then he one year he'd make 90 i think the most he ever made was 120 well this year he made 725 $725,000 wow because of the all i did was go in and instead of making him afraid to be uh, rich i made him afraid not to be rich <laughs> yeah, yeah. you using the same tactics that our human farmers use on us to make us sort of stagnate or get stuck in our stuckness as we say as self-sabotage coaches so i really sort of let go of the diet coaching and the exercise coaching although that's i can whip that out of my hat at any time but if you are afraid to be thin or be lighter or be more toned than the average who cares about the diet yeah. or you you won't follow through with it if the fear is there so i use psychology first to remove the fear and then i, I do insert the exercise and the diet later to which they they gobble it up because they're no longer afraid to if their friends are all 210 i fortify their psyche so that they can, if there's six ladies in a room that are averaged between 200 and 230 pounds, I fortify my, my client's psyche where they can walk into that room and be 135 pounds and not feel like they're going to get attacked by the majority. So very simple. I mean, it sounds complex. It's really not. And it's highly effective. And that's why I focus on it, because I like to do get the most done in the shortest amount of time. That's why I adopted this as my primary coaching modality at this time. That's an amazing story. Um, talking of mind control, you talk about brain hacking. What is that and how does that play into what we're talking about? Well, brain hacking can be done in a couple. Well, basically, it can be done in one way and it can be accentuated in a couple other ways. So if you want to hack someone's brain, the first sort of foundational bit of knowledge you are going to work with is that there's a part of the brain that's invisible to the person. It's called the subconscious. It operates without our conscious awareness. And although people don't know this is that their behavior is manufactured by this part of the brain <clears throat> excuse me and our a lot of people believe that their behavior is you know manufactured by them because of careful considerations of various life options and right. if you are a professional mind hacker and if you're in the behavior modification field you know that that's great because that's completely false and it's very important that your victim think that. And most humans think that, that they manufacture their behavior. So that's the conscious mind. This, and the conscious mind is only in charge of 3 to 5% of our conscious decisions, uh, sort of like our behaviors that we act out, even though we think we're in charge 100%. The subconscious mind is in charge of 93 to 97% of all our behaviors. It writes us. It writes our behaviors for us, and then 
literally sort of writes them down and forces them through certain pathways in our nervous system so that we act them out without our conscious awareness that we're receiving these marching orders from a part of a br the brain that we know nothing about. So the first bit, the foundational knowledge of all mind hacking is that there's a part of the brain called the subconscious and its primary method for literally writing a script of your behavior during the day is repetitive messages in the environment. What that means is this part of the brain is very ferocious. It scans and downloads and analyzes every image ever to enter your eyesight, even your peripheral eyesight. And it's looking, all it does is look for repetition. Now, its processing ability baffles anybody who hears about it. The conscious mind, the conscious mind is the part of the brain I'm speaking with right now. It's not the part that's really in charge of our behavior, but I'm speaking with the conscious mind. You're listening with the, uh, the conscious mind and the conscious mind can handle about 140 pieces of information a second, which sounds impressive. But if you measure the subconscious mind, this part of the brain, like a supercomputer that works without our conscious awareness, it downloads images and auditory messages and imprints and symbols looking for repetition at a rate, ferocious rate of 11 million pieces of information a second. And, and it downloading that, it's downloading at that speed because it's so obsessed with us being safe because that's why it looks for repetition because repetition denotes that a greater amount of people believe that idea, are acting out that behavior, a greater amount of people might have the Nike symbol on. And that's what branding's about, is about getting, hacking the subconscious with symbols because, but that, that's why, I mean, the Super Bowl is coming up and everybody's very excited to pay one or two million dollars for a 30 second ad. It's because the more repetitive the message, the more the subconscious mind registers it as sort of a safer item to wear, a safer behavior to act out, a safer belief system to engage in. And this part of the brain, if it gets repetitive content, it will force you to act it out. And you're going to think you're going to go down and buy a Nike pair of shoes because you've weighed all the options very carefully with all your, you know, all the different brands that you could potentially buy. But if you understand behavior modification and neuroscience is that the, the message or the brand or the belief system with the greatest repetition will always be acted out by the masses. So when you're in the field of hacking that part of the brain, messaging constant repetitive messaging it's called toma top of mind awareness is where you start it's also been proven that if you can get repetitive content and repetitive messages and repetitive symbols into the brain when the person's either chemically toxic or when they're in fear, the person becomes more like a, they become more reflexively obedient 
they become hypersensitive to that function of the brain, which is more a following part, uh, going along to get along, uh, mimicking and mirror, mirroring and emulating. So this part of the brain, the subconscious, it's in charge of our safety, our security and our survival. There, that's why it goes out and looks for these messages in the, in the repetitive state, because, again, it's looking for the bigger group. And if something's repetitive, obviously it would represent a bigger group believing it. Like if one person has a pair of shoes and it's only one person, the subconscious will register that brand, but it will put a, a one next to it. That's not impressive. That's not so impressive for a part of the brain that wants to look for the bigger group. One is not a group. But when you see Puma or Nike or Adidas and it ranks as a repetitive symbol during a 24-hour period of 10 or 20 or 30, that really gets that, you know, gets the attention of this part of the mind because it's always looking for group behavior because you're going to be safer in a clan or a wolf pack as opposed to being safe as a lone wolf. Right. And so, again, if you're afraid, well, when you're afraid, like, think about it. Like, think about when you're afraid. Do you need the group more or do you need a group less to survive? Like, if you're terrified of something, you become what we call in behavioral psychology clingy to the repetitive messages yeah. you become childlike so that's that's how you would go about hacking this part of the brain repetition and infuse your victims with fear and chemical toxicity like if you watch freddy krueger or a horror movie basically if you watch anything on netflix you're going to have a fight or flight reaction but they've measured the blood profile hormonal responses of someone watching a scary movie and it's the exact same fear-based responses when you eat an oreo cookie so it doesn't really matter if you're just scared through visual terror or you're toxic you become reflexively obedient to the herd can yeah. i just ask um wh where could people kind of find out about these studies where they've kind of measured I think that I think the best place to start for a beginner would be actually a YouTube channel called the Academy of Ideas. Um, it's a brilliant psychological based YouTube channel, very rapidly growing, by the way. And I would start with you would just put Academy of Ideas on YouTube and put uh, group behavior just punch in group behavior and he'll start recounting um, the primary scholars about how to how to control humans and then you can sort of go down the rabbit hole from there i mean we we do see people afraid to do or say things outside the norm because i mean it starts in school a lot of this starts in school where kids don't want to say or do things outside the box because they might lose friends and one of the things I've learned in my life is, you know, if uh, they can't respect you, then they're not your friends anyway. So what does it matter? But um, how can people hack their own brain in a positive way? You need repetitive content and you definitely don't want to be in fear. 
So you would have to litter your environment in many different ways, but uh, this is what I teach. I teach people how to litter their environment and decorate their environment with positive messages. And there's many ways to do that. And then you have to start the easiest way to talk to the subconscious mind. It, 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 the subconscious is really slave-like. And if you want, if you can have a direct conversation with the subconscious mind and tell it to be wealthy and tell it to be thin and tell it to be healthy, it's just going to hop to it and it's going to drag you there. You're not going to have to really participate too much. And the easiest way to have a direct conversation with the subconscious mind and literally tell it what you want to do is through hypnosis. And if you want one of the most powerful hypnotherapists in the world that can really work magic on your subconscious mind, her name is Marissa Peer. She is a, a UK hypnotherapist. I think she's a therapist of, of the year about three years ago globally. And you can, she has a library where you can download various different hypnosis um, recordings in various different categories from public speaking to weight loss to financial abundance to confidence to having better relationships. <clears throat> and you can bundle them together. She's absolutely brilliant. And I advise her all day long so that you can reprogram your own mind. And, you know, you have to detoxify, too, but this hypnosis has to come first or you'll be so afraid you'll never get any you won't get any consecutive days of of healthy eating under your belt unless you do the hypnosis first. You first have to convince your brain, your subconscious, that it's it's safe to be your best self because all the movies and all the TV shows and all the government policies the repetitive messaging, and it doesn't have to be a repetitive symbol like Nike or McDonald's. It can be a repetitive theme. And the repetitive theme in our society that makes people so disempowered is that, you know, just like in school, they're, they're teaching you, number one, the repetitive theme in, say, school. One of them is that um, it's okay to engage a majority of your day, like your hours spent doing something you don't like and right. that's that's all behavior modification as well because they're conditioning the children to do things they don't like to produce the adult working class who also will work the majority of their day doing things they don't like and this is how powerful it's not just physical brands it's themes or emotional imprints like everything on netflix is terror-based and i have clients who watch Netflix and watch Netflix. And then when you get off the couch and turn off the TV and because you don't understand how your behavior works, they go to terrorize their children. They terrorize their companion. They terrorize themselves. They terrorize their work environment because the, the subconscious mind said, hey, we live in a murder, rape, terror, and panic tribe because the subconscious doesn't know the difference between real life a screen or imagined thought so that's an important point yeah okay that your subconscious does not know the difference between real real life a screen 
or imagined thought. So when you watch all this trash fire media on Netflix, and that, that's why it's 10 or $15 and it started at $5, because all it is is behavior modification. They give it to you free, but it would be too obvious. And they might give it for free eventually just to keep programming you into the back into the Stone Age. But when someone is programmed through Netflix, they will download the subconscious will make an assessment of the tribe in which you live and then modify your behavior to best fit into that tribe. And when when you watch Netflix, the subconscious easily understands and comes to the conclusion that you live in a completely maniacal and insane society. And the easiest way to fit into a maniacal and insane society is for you to be maniacal and insane. Yeah. And this is why people walk from the TV room into the kitchen and always start a fight with their husband or start a fight with their wife or eat junk food or something destructive because it reflects the pattern downloaded through the TV screen. I hope that makes some sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting, you know, I, I think there's probably more programming to this effect in America than anywhere else, really. And people talk about the American culture or the American cultures everywhere. But the way I look at it, it's what has worked in terms of the agenda for humanity. The nightmare agenda that I've detailed during the course of pay-per-view benefits the agenda, then being exported all over the world. So America's like a laboratory for this kind of stuff. The subconscious mind basically does what it's told and i play guitar um and um my guitar teacher because of what he does is a teacher he looks at how the brain works and stuff and he said to me basically what you've said the subconscious mind does what it's told and this plays into predictive programming and you tell a fascinating story about media the town of media and the town square which i guess is the original predictive programming yeah, th- th- that story is it gets people's attention. Uh, there, there used to be a country called Media, and the people from it were called the Medes, and this is the geographic area we now know as Turkey. And they were masters of figuring out this behavior modification, which is very simple if you, you're into observation. And because there was nothing much to do back in those days, there was a lot of observation of nature. And they used to have, you know, the the town square, whether it started as an altruistic venture, there was a town square. They would gather everybody there and say they would have a play and the lead hero of the play might have a particular gold ring on or might have a particular long garment and a different like a robe. And then they found that after the play, the next day, the merchants would say, you know, what's really funny is that the robe that we donated for the play, we had 20 copies and they all sold out right away. And so the governing forces of the time sort of said, yes, that's that's very interesting. And then the next play would maybe roll out a month later and the say a female heroine of the play would be wearing you know a red dress and a very elaborate gold necklace and then the same observations would be made the goldsmith and you know the tapestry um, 
house would say we've had all these orders for the same red fabric the red dresses like the heroine was wearing they are sold out the gold jewelry is sold out as well and then this is where the governing class started to say and this is this is the town square was the original tv (laughs) is that you are going to control the masses through repetitive content therefore controlling their behavior and also doing it invisibly through entertainment it was never entertainment it's entrainment and that's why they call a screenshot in say football or soccer how they call it here in north america is where you know someone will obscure the view of the netminder and that's why they call it a tv screen because it obscure it obscures your view of reality and then it makes you act out this behavior that you're acting out beyond your conscious awareness that it's being implanted into you by repetitive messaging and the kings and queens of the mediterranean at the time would hear that these these people the medes or the people the governing force in media had this a very very simple and secret way of controlling the you know the the people they ruled without their conscious awareness and all the kings and queens would come down and take lessons on how to use the repetitive messaging and also how to use poison i mean mercury um hashish uh, hash um different psychoactive substances the blue lily uh, the blue lily of the nile was another psychoactive sub- substance psilocybin and various other ayahuasca, ayahuasca or po- you know, they don't have to be poisoned, but it's shown that if you can get someone a little off their regular hormonal profile, you this this effect is like very severe. And this is this has led to the governing structure that we have today, where our governments are literally keep us in fear 24 hours a day, whether it is something to really fear, or like, um, it's hard to say, because there's so many fabricated, or something that doesn't exist that people are afraid of. It's always a 24 hour fear buffet. And we're all we're always getting pushed into fear by um, you know, our, our media releases, and then we're always kept toxic. We're always kept toxic. It doesn't matter if it's mercury teeth fillings, Teflon pans, yeah. toxic medication, pesticides on food. The so you can see how this 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 sort of structure of ruling people, and then the repetitive content that we're getting is basically tricking us and this is one of their famous sort of manipulations is that when they meet in their boardrooms there's they know there's no way like let's take for example they know that there's no way they even have the military or the police forces over the entire planet to lock the population in their own homes right right so that 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 would be admitted to inside the very close circles that govern us like we can't make them do this right like we by force it's absolutely impossible so this is one of their foundational tricks the repetitive messaging is always about leading us to do to ourselves what they could never do to us by force right 
Yeah. So they trick us to lock in, trick us to shut our own businesses down, trick us to wear a mask, trick it. You know, it that's just a very small sliver of what they've ever tricked us into. They would even say, like, I would like to go steal their money. And by force and everybody, you know, maybe 500 years ago would say, you know, we can't do that. And yeah. someone says, well, let's trick them. We'll call it taxes. And someone yeah. says we're going to. And then all the repetitive messaging comes in around taxes. People willingly give up in Canada. They're giving up 60 to 65 percent of their income to a ruling force who you know, their money doesn't act like our money. They've been bankrupt. Like the Canadian government, whether it's municipal or federal or provincial, it's been bankrupt for as long as I can remember. So do they really need our money or can the system run in a bankruptcy state? You can kind of see that they don't really need the money because they're always if, – if, if, if they really respected – the rules of money like we're meant to respect the rules of money they would have to stop spending when they ran out of money and they just keep going yeah. so it, it it doesn't really matter what the agenda is they trick us through the repetitive messages to do it to ourselves that's the main point um just to go back to a point you made about media i was going to ask you where could people find that if they wanted to one of the best explainers of that i mean i have a very long list of mind control documentaries that maybe i could send you but a man by the name of Michael Tessarion, he is from Ireland, and he is very versed in the mental manipulations of this ancient group. And Tessarion is T-S-A-R-I-O-N. Yeah, and there's all, before, yeah. yeah, and Jordan Maxwell is also very good. Jordan Maxwell. Yeah, heard of him. Yeah, so you can kind of see, it, people think that, you know, they're, whether... It doesn't matter where you live. They're going to have a state government or a federal government. They're really obsessed with believing that, you know, that that's a snapshot of governance. The snapshot of governance is a whole structure. It goes back thousands of years and it uses the behavior modification that I'm alluding to to literally remove the power of the people that they're ruling. What role do toxins play in, in brain hacking and making people acquiescent in the way we're talking about? You have a part of the brain called the fight or flight system. Like it's called the limbic system. The metabolic pathway is called the fight, flight or freeze system. And it is a system that will activate when your lifespan is under threat. So people can understand that they go into a fight or flight mode when they're getting chased by a mugger or getting chased by a pit bull or they might have got fired or have a fight with their companion they 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 sort of logically know that there's going to be a fight or flight reaction there they've heard of it they know it's when they're afraid that this is going to be activated but they've also shown that when you're toxic you have the same response like i was talking about when the limbic system is on it covets security more than it covets independence and it reverts you back to a child iq where you're really looking anytime your fight flight or freeze system is activated you're really looking for a solution uh, with a lot more ferocity than if you would if you were at peace right yeah and this is again why they're polluting us 24 hours a day and infusing us with fear 24 hours a day it's very easy to rule a society of frightened childlike IQ 
people and this part of the brain, it's the sort of part of the brain, the fight or flight. I mean, if, say, a burglar broke into my house and was was near my child, this part of the brain is actually designed so I could probably kill that. I could kill that intruder without giving it much second thought because the situation demanded it. And this part of the brain, if active, you can see it lacks long-term, like it lacks the ability to judge long-term consequences. But it's to our benefit in a real situation where our life is threatened. Like if someone's coming at me with a knife, I'm not going to have my body the way it's designed is so that I'm not, I don't have the ability to think about killing this guy what's going to happen the jail sentence am i going to get off right you just defend yourself you might kill him instantly yeah so this part of the brain is very famous for not having and it's by design and it works for us it's not a flaw it's known to not have the ability to judge long-term consequences and you see that today like people are giving away their freedoms and because of the fear or because they're chemically infused they have the limbic system activated, and again, it has no ability to judge long-term consequences, plus it's of childlike IQ, and you see these people, yeah, take take my rights away, and it's because you can see how that plays in to how and why the people who are masters of this behavior modification psychology, you can see why they keep us afraid. You need the public not thinking about where this is going. Yeah. This is, if you're not afraid and you know what's going on and you know you're being manipulated you also have the ability to think long term down the road this is going to a full holocaust situation genocide nazi situation and but if you're in fear you're you're just going to focus on what's happening today not not where this is going as a directional vector yeah and i think as i said earlier you know this goes back to the education system basically everything traces back to there um we're taught from a young age to trust authority and to look to the authority figure for what to think and instead of being taught how to think we're taught what to think and what's true and not true who to trust who not to trust what's right what's wrong and to again as we've been talking about go with the herd because what happens in a class is most people in the class will just believe what the authority figure the teacher tells them and then people carry that with them throughout their lives and one of the things i realized is when you look at research people in kids in school they don't want to do the work we were saying this just now kids are doing things they don't want to do every day and so when they leave school they associate research with hard work and it puts them off and so they basically just are trained to obey authority and to just follow authority from a young age yeah the and if you go back into into the history of the school system and anybody can go back and because of schools schooling like you you were alluding to not many people like the research they just like to repeat the way our system is designed you're, you're taught to repeat you know the right lie at the right time to the right person for the right reward that's yep. the way the system is designed. So, of course, I will I will cite a book here by John Taylor Gatto. So, John Taylor Gatto, he is 
probably the world's most famous school teacher. He was an American school teacher. He won New York uh, Teacher of the Year in New York State and Teacher of the Year in New York City within just a couple years of each other. One of the most brilliant public school teachers, he quit. And he wrote a book called Weapons of Mass Instruction. And you can get that free on the Internet, PDF, Weapons of Mass Instruction. And then he recounts and cites hundreds of sources proving that the history of the school system can be traced back to Prussia, which is an area of the world we now know as Germany. And the design of the school system was limited learning for lifelong labor and to program the children to blindly follow authority and to be you know, sequenced like Pavlovian dogs to respond instead of research or think. So responding to a situation is very different than thinking, and it's all about responding. So you're getting a Pavlovian response in school that the authority knows best, and if you parrot or emulate or mirror or just copy what the authority says, you will give, get the positive rewards. And all mind control modalities are based on reward and punishment systems. You reward the behavior you do want and you punish the behavior you don't want. And anybody that's a real thinker will be punished to the point where they don't want to raise their hand or participate. And everybody gets kind of ground down into this fine sawdust where eventually they learn very quickly that if you want the positive rewards like any rat in a rat experiment that you've got to do X, Y, and Z. And the most dangerous part of socialization with schooling is that a, a child, if they believe something, if they believe they're getting railroaded and something they're getting taught is incorrect, they need their parent there so the child can make a stand. And that's why they always separate child from parent. This is the most dangerous part of school is that the children at one point in time know that they're getting bullied, know that they're getting spiritually sodomized by the government school system. There's, It's not every hour of the day, but they're like, that doesn't make sense. Like Christopher Columbus discovered America when the Native Americans were still were here to start. So the child's going to know, hey, you know what? That doesn't sound right. And that's when they need to put their arm around their, their leg of their very strong parent and then individuate. It's called individuation. You're supposed to individuate from the group and say, I want to back away from the group. I, I want to question the group. But without the parent figure on site, the child acquiesces and takes a knee to the group. And that becomes the most dangerous pattern in school, is that you're always going to be more reflexively obedient to the group because you never had your parent around for backup for the potential individuation. So you think that's why kids are on their own in school rather than with their parents? Right. And you in ancient cultures, you it's like the Lord of the Flies book. You can never have the general rule in ancient cultures was do not let the children outnumber the adults in the teaching area. 
because then the because of the way the human brain works, they just start mimicking the behavior of their ridiculous friends who act very un with their unsocial they're unsocialized. Yeah, yeah. You need to socialize them within an inch of their life so that they start mimicking each other properly in in regards to that culture. And so you have you know one one teacher to say 30 kids, which is just it's designed to produce an adult that never individuated. Right. And you see that today. You see the adults are no longer individuals. They're being part of the collective. They say what the collective wants to hear. They do what the collective wants to do, even though the results, even though the results of bending a knee to the group are extremely destructive to them, they've, they missed what's called the rite of passage from child to adult and they're still literally the mental ages of children, even though their driver's license say that they're adults. Yeah. So we you know, we are subject to all this programming and this brain hacking and mind manipulation. You're obviously a health clinic owner as well as a self-sabotage coach. And the two are obviously intrinsically linked. What are your thoughts on health in general? And what are your thoughts on using natural health and overcoming the situation from a health perspective well i I mean i really like people eating healthy and i like them you know exercising and uh, being organized in their life and being their best selves but i also realize that if you're pushed through this system the programming is so thick you're just going to find a lot more safety and security in mediocrity in blending in so health will solve all our problems it will solve every problem that you see on the societal stage today health will solve it and that's why they've programmed us against health and that's why they continue to program us against health by saying you know even calories in calories out they're saying it doesn't matter if you had 100 calories of a donut or 100 calories of spinach they're saying that affects your body the same way. And that's a repetitive message. And all the food pyramids or f- food guides or food suggestions by all the world governments, because it's the same folks, it's the same groups, it's the same ruling families going at us and programming us through repetitive content to believe that, you know, you can eat a bag of Doritos and drink a 26 ounce bottle of tequila and the only reason you got sick was because of a virus so there's so many repetitive messages in the film i mean there was probably 150 movies about viruses in the last 10 years alone in on the major major releases probably a thousand with the minor releases it's it's always about uh, it's always about viruses making people sick. So again, you can see why people aren't healthy because your sickness comes first through poisoning. And if there is a sort of infection, whether it's bacterial or viral, whatever they want to call viruses, prions or funguses, the insult and the injury comes first through poisoning. Your infections come second. And For anybody to work past these very thick and powerful behavior modification principles where, I mean, if you watch TV and listen to the government, you will be living out lies 
as truth. Right. And because your body is a walking lie detector, every time you like inject a lie and eat a lie and sleep a lie and drink a lie, and you put like you're putting that into a lie detector, you're gonna break your lie detector. And if you and if you don't know what a broken lie detector looks like, go out into the world today and or and look at the people. Their their eyes are crooked. They're not symmetrical. They're you know, pear shaped. This is this is the broken lie detector. So I know every I, health will solve all the problems, but you have to do the reprogramming and use the repetitive you know use this repetitive technology by which they made you messy and you have to hack it yourself and utilize it yourself to use repetitive content to literally defragment your mental hard drive and get those lies out of there and start having repetitive content that's more powerful and healthy and then you will find your way, find your good weight, find your routine and live your abundant life. And yeah, turn off your TV, number one. It doesn't matter how you want to look at this. Your movies are not there to entertain you. They're there to entrain you. They're there for the same reason of the, as the public square um, you know, the, or the Shakespearean plays. It's all about... It looks like they're trying to entertain you, but look at the themes on all your movies. There's violence and terror and, you know, viral disease and dystopia futures. Yeah. And they're just trying, like you said, predictive programming so that when you arrive there, there's this scent of it being familiar. But the only reason it's familiar is because your brain already down downloaded 100 movies with dystopian futures. So you kind of ease into it thinking this is the best you can do. And it's right. being programmed in you. You have to realize the people who rule you, uh, they're not good people. And history shows that they're well beyond not good people. These people are they have habits. I won't mention on this podcast. They are they are animals. They are literal, have no respect for humans, and they do a lot of things to humans that if I told you they do, you probably wouldn't believe me. So just know that turn off the TV if you want to start making a stand. Yeah, I mean, entertainment is a very easy way to access the subconscious because people watch it as entertainment, so their guards are down and they don't realize they're actually being programmed, and that's the point of it. Um, it's kind of interesting you were talking about viruses, you know, the official line on a lot of these toxins is, oh, it's fine. You'll be fine if you eat this toxin. Now, it's not, it's not uh, bad for you. But what is bad for you is viruses and illnesses, and that then allows them to sell vaccines. So what suits them for people to believe is bad for them? That's what we're told is bad for us. And what suits them for people to consume? Don't worry about that. Yeah, I mean, that's 100%. I mean, this uh, indoctrination and poison-based control grid and is all based on i mean the only way government maintains its power is by destroying yours anything that destroys your power they're totally into and there's many different modalities by which they can do that and they're very keen on the the you know the viral uh, theory of disease causation because when you go into a medical library or scientific library if you actually take 
the time to research, which again, we know why people don't research because it, if you find out something different, most people are just too afraid to go against the herd. So why research anyway? Yeah. But what makes people sick is poisons, not, yeah. not, not, you know, infiltrating microbes. And the reason the people who, and of course, if we're poisoned, we're more reflexively obedient to the repetitive messages in media and the radio and newsprint, etc. The reason the people who rule us are very keen on the viral theory of disease causation is because if you think it's an invisible virus that makes you sick, you are already pre-programmed to completely negate the visible Doritos, the visible McDonald's, the visible pizza, the visible, you know, pesticides that are sprayed on your non-organic foodstuffs. It's all about, yeah, what's attacking you, you can't see. And we have the special equipment. You don't have it. We have the special equipment. We can see the viruses. You can't. You can't conform, confirm nor deny what we're talking about. And we're going to let you know when the when these intruders are around and what they do. So it's all all everything that the person wants to know about is in the invisible realm. This is the story. This is the repetitive story that hacks the brain. So if if it's invisible and you don't have this state-sponsored equipment to see the invisible well then nothing you eat affects your health yeah yeah. because it's in the visible realm yeah yeah and if this kind of you know if you can convince people there's an invisible threat then you automatically um get them to give their power away to you to save them and it's kind of interesting you know you say that toxins make us ill and yet that's the one thing that we're told is not a problem for us you know um yeah, they, they keep telling you, you know, don't worry about they keep saying they want you to be healthy. They close the gyms, the the liquor stores are open, the fast food restaurants are open. I mean, cigarettes, alcohol and fast food kill 21 million people every year on the planet. That's what it killed in 2019. 21 million people, alcohol, cigarettes and junk food. I just asked, where, where can people find that? Bigger. Oh, you can look that up. So just look up deaths of alcohol per year. You'll find three million. Uh, death for cigarettes is seven, and then you'll find death for junk food is eleven. You can just punch that into Google. They don't even try and hide that. Not yet, anyway. Okay. So you got 21 million deaths every year on a planet where only 58 million die. I mean, you know, this is the this is how far the brainwashing can go. According to the brainwashing I'm seeing, no one in my community thinks anybody died from tw- March 2020 backwards. <laughs> because everybody's, you know, when a 90-year-old person dies today, people are freaking out like 90-year-old people aren't supposed to die. Yeah. But you can see if the government really cared about, you know, overrun hospitals or accelerated deaths or the the health of the seniors or the health of the community cigarettes are still for sale alcohol is still for sale all the junk foods is still the fast food and all the bars and all the chips in the hospital where i live in cornwall ontario canada there's a pop and pop and chip and chocolate marble machine every 800 feet and there's a donut shop inside the hospital and there's a smoking area for the nurses. 
and they feed people food. If you're a patient there, they'll feed you food not fit for a maggot to consume. And the average person doesn't, doesn't, because they can't think. And we know why they can't think. They were born to think. There's nothing, they weren't born defective. Yeah. But when you're poisoned and you're run through the 12 year indoctrination camp called school, you'll go buy the chocolate bar chip machine. And because there's no teacher there to say, write an essay on this, you just walk by because you just you were programmed not to think about how contradictory that is, right. that it's a hospital. They've they've monopolized the use of the phrase healthcare, And then they're, they're selling chocolate bar chips and pop. I if you know how to think, you're you're terrified. I mean, I try not to be terrified because it shuts my brain down. Yeah. But you, you can see where this is going. So I just kind of step back. And then all these people are getting processed through this kind of medical and science abattoir. A lot of my friends have died uh, believing the lies is truth and loading the lies into their lie detector. Uh, you load you load a certain amount of lies into your lie detector. Your lie detector breaks for good. They call that death. So just going back to the thing about contagion, I know you've mentioned before the um, Spanish flu study that was done, um, where they basically, you know, they tried to make people ill and nobody was ill because it, you know, it, as opposed to toxins making people ill, they tried to prove a virus did, but they nobody fell ill. Yeah, and this was an experiment, and I can send you that too, so you can link it in your show notes. But like all good scientists, it was a theory, and it's still a theory, that can diseased people spread their disease to healthy people? And although it appears sometimes that people in one house get sick at the same time, are there any other explanations? And they took 500 people that had the Spanish flu, and we all know potentially it wasn't uh, it wasn't Spanish and it wasn't the flu, but they were sick. They were definitely sick. So they took 500 people that were really sick at the time of the Spanish flu, and they brought them into a jail. Now, people in jail aren't generally healthy, that healthy, but they were the healthy test subjects. So they had 500 sick people. And 100 people, jail, jail, jailed prisoners that were the healthy uh, control group. And they did experiments that could not be done today. And it's great that they did it back in 2018 because they they breathed on each other. They did. They they swapped. They they would swab the mouth of the really sick people and jam it in, in the mouth of the prisoners, which you couldn't do today. And they also do no swabs and swap swap that. And they even took no swab material, saliva from the mouth, and they even drew the blood of the really sick people. And they would mix that up into a concoction and then inject it into the 100 healthy uh, prisoners. And it was conclusive. Not one prisoner got sick. Yeah. And they gave up on it because obviously they're like, that's pretty conclusive. They, there's been requests to repeat this experiment or repeat similar experiments, but you don't need it in the realm of TV and Hollywood you, because most people today have their PhD and their doctorate from Hollywood and Cineplex University. Right. Yeah. You don't. You, you the research doesn't matter if you're if you're watching a zombie movie and someone says, "Crap, they bit me. I'm going to be a zombie." Yeah. 
you're thinking the saliva carries it and it doesn't it's been it doesn't like it, it's been proven that this is a fallacy and there's a book called the contagion myth that was just put out by medical doctor dr com uh, thomas cowan anybody right. can read that it's the there's there's these goggles called vr virtual reality goggles and what you're seeing is that we don't need the goggles all we need are the tv screens the yep. person who thinks that someone's breath is going to kill them is living in a virtual reality that's not reality the reality is if you're sick you made yourself sick and I have just as much chance catching your sickness as you do catching my health. I can't give you my health. Health doesn't work like that. You can't make me sick. You ate the Doritos. I didn't. I don't eat Doritos. Yeah. I don't eat anything non-organic. That's why I'm never sick. Yeah. I'm and never sick. So I'm never sick. I, eat, I drink glass bottled spring water, eat organic food. I go to bed by 10. I understand how the sun works, how water works, how companionship works, how sex works. I use all of it to harness and nurture my own human power and potential. I do not get sick. Someone who's not taught this, and it's not their fault that they don't know this, they don't teach you on purpose, and I hope – Anybody listening to the, you know, we're getting to the end of this interview, but yeah. I hope to God that anybody listening understands why you're not taught it. You're not taught it because you're you're easier to control when you're depressed and disempowered, disoriented, diseased, and dysfunctional. That's when that's the sweet spot for the people who are ruling you. Is if you're like a child. You don't know how to throw a punch. You're, you can't get off the couch to turn turn the channel. You're very easy to rule in this sort of infantile state. So let's go to more to a positive perspective. Obviously, you are a health clinic owner, as I said. What would you recommend for people to eat, to drink, to take as medicine, natural medicine? You know, we hear about vitamin D and sunlight and all these things. I would tell them to get the Bible of healthy living, put it in the house, maybe get a couple copies. It's called uh, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check. And Check is C-H-E-K. Everything you would ever want to know about healthy living can be found in that very small book. And you can you can explore it from there. I can tell you concretely that the most powerful brain disruptive mind control substance that this group has ever found in the entire world, and they collect these substances like, you know, a, a Boy Scout collects bottle caps, right. is coffee. So there's a reason the coffee is on every corner. Bill Gates, of course, has was the original seed funder of the first Starbucks franchise push. In the movie Fight Club with Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, there was a Starbucks coffee takeout cup in every single scene of Fight Club. Now put that together with the repetitive messaging that I'm talking about and know that caffeine, one eight-ounce cup of coffee, 
cuts blood flow to the brain by 52% for 24 hours in a row. And one eight ounce cup of coffee turns on that limbic system, that fight, flight, or freeze system that I was talking about that puts the person in a heavily reflexively obedient child IQ state. You have one ounce cup, one eight ounce cup of coffee. You're in the limbic system, the fight or flight system for three consecutive weeks without having any more caffeine. Wow. And people do not know this. It's tied to depression, carpal tunnel, and anemia, and blocks iron, it high cholesterol. It causes strokes, heart attacks, insomnia. It, coffee is so dangerous for your health, but never think this is a misunderstanding of the science. This is a weaponization of the science. And if you want to know how bad coffee and caffeine are for you mentally and physically and understand why it's like if you, <laughs> the chocolate bar chip and pop machine every 800 feet at the uh, at the community hospital where I live, it, that fails in comparison to how easy you can get coffee on every corner of my town. If you want to know how deadly this is and why it's really on every corner, go read the book Caffeine Blues by Stephen Chernisky. So it's C-H-E-R-N-E-S-K-I-E. And you, you better bring some duct tape because you're going to have to duct tape your jaw back into your skull. Because coffee is is a weapon. It's a mind control weapon. I see us moving eventually towards a new kind of paradigm, a new health system, a new education system, a new media, um, and a society. I've got a phrase in the podcast which I use all the time, which is society is agenda driven, not people driven. And so the the answer is to make it the opposite and I think that's basically where we're going in the future. Hopefully, where we're going in the future, anyway. Because I, I don't think we can continue as we are. This yeah, we've been talking about. We have a choice. We can either humanity has to put their place their bets where they want the society to go. Not one person's going to change it. We have to act as a, um, a collective. We have to recognize the mind control psychology that's used against us the behavior modification psychology that's used against us. And we have to literally make a move here. We're either going to be completely destroyed as a society or we can forge a brand new future where we go back to what humans need to retain their own personal power so that we're not batteries, you know, living, breathing batteries where our where our battery charge is extracted out of us through behavior modification and toxins and have that power sort of siphoned up the correct ruling uh, the, the corrupt ruling pyramid to these evil parasites we call them the parasite class who occupy the high bastions of power at the top of the corrupt ruling pyramid we have to learn how to keep our power inside our own bodies inside our own houses, inside our own towns, and inside our own communities so that we use our own battery charge to power our best lives 
and not have this siphoning system where our financial resources, our intelligence and our workforce and our value are taken from us and used to build this very toxic and evil and immoral and unethical control grid that's based on poisoning and indoctrination. So I hope that helps. We have a choice to make, you know, where my choice stands. Yeah. Well, it's been fascinating interview. Very interesting. And I hope people can take something from it to improve themselves body and mind wise and to use the mind to see through the lies that were told by authority and to start to question more and to, as you say, be their best self. So thank you. For uh, thank you for having me on, Daniel. I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs>